When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Ninja Turtle Power Hour. I'm Spencer Toon. I'm Keith McGuffey. And I'm Mike Templeton. All right. So we're coming at you this week. Issues number five through seven of the original Teenage Mutant Turtles Mirage comic book. It is also known as the Turtles in Space arc and a lot across a lot of different arcs of turtles Ninja Turtles. in space. So it's also known as the Secret Crisis of Infinite Wars. <laughs> is it really yeah i so i have i don't have issue five but i have okay. six and seven like the the first prints and mm-hmm. the front kevin eastman like writes a letter to the readers and it says this is the end of the secret crisis of infinite wars arc so there you go that's funny yeah I, so, I was... which of course if you don't if you guys don't know infinite crisis on infinite earths uh or crisis on infinite earths was the big dc crossover at the time and then secret wars was the big marvel one Mm-hmm. Yep. so they're, they're still deep in the parody right now <laughs> i didn't know that that's actually really cool yeah it's uh that's the only place i've seen it listed is is in that front because it's yeah it's not in the uh the ultimate edition well and that's that's what's funny about about this though the fact that they decided to do that because that's like the name of like pretty much like the first big events i mean those are pretty much what kicked off like event comic books with like mm-hmm. you know massive crossovers between everyone in the in the whole universe and it's funny because I don't know if they'd written anything outside of Ninja Turtles and Fugitoid, but technically all of their properties that they'd created up to this point, as far as I know, unless there is something else there, there might be a thing or two, but still they've got two of their properties actually crossing over into a different universe in this, right. in this series uh, here to talk about. So having said that, this actually is going to be the first appearance of the Fugitoid Federation and Triceratons in Ninja Turtle comics. The Fugitoid was actually the very first creation of Mirage Studios. And they, uh, like back when they had like up through, I don't know what issue it was. It was pretty much right before it turned to New York. I think the Unmentionables was the last, the last issue there where they, you know, you have the Casey Jones doing his detective work thing, which I guess is where they got the idea for, for Out of the Shadows. But uh, where they've got the old, uh, on the old Mirage comic site. Yeah, it was on the old Mirage Studios site, and you could read up to a certain issue on there. There was a link to it on Turtlepedia or TMNTpedia. Yeah, that's how I first read these back in the day. It was just like zooming in on a JPEG to read all the <laughs> <Yeah>. text. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they had them all. Up, they had them all on the Mirage website, like not all of them, but up to a certain point of them. And the Future Toy was included in there. So I read that years ago at this point, but uh... now. Last time we talked about a Kringa Bungala. Was that uh-huh. the Kringa, thing they... Yep. Thank you. So that Fugitoid comic is dedicated to Russ Manning, 
who was an artist, but specifically he did the Tarzan comic strip. So huh. I'm pretty sure it's Peter Laird who's really into Tarzan. Okay. There you go. Wow. That makes a ton of sense, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, learn something new every day. I feel like, yeah, I feel like Peter, especially after reading like this, I feel like Peter is is the one who loves all of the older stuff. Like, I mean, and it's also their age because like Kevin was like 25 or something at the yeah. time when he was when he was doing this, and Peter was already married and in his late 30s. Yeah, there's eight yep. years difference between them. Yeah, yeah. At this point, if he was in like like for example, he's 30 years old at this point in like 85. It really reads like this was a parody of everything they loved. Like yeah. The like the intent was never to make fun of Daredevil or mm-hmm. Jack Kirby or any of those other things that these guys love. Like you can tell, it's all of the best influences. Yeah, yeah. It's no, more I mean, homage than than satire. Yeah, yeah. It's like for example, I mean, Star Wars fans like, or you know, a lot of people like that are into Star Wars. They like Spaceballs, not because they think Star Wars is stupid or they hate it. It's just a funny parody of, of Star Wars, you know, or, or there's other things that are like that. I mean, Pizza uh, the Hut, one of the best jokes ever, right? It's yeah. just right there, Pizza yeah. the Hut. <laughs> yeah, and, and so that's kind of, I feel like, what this book is, is kind of along the lines of is with Turtles. But, it, you know, it keeps that gritty stuff. And as it moves on, it also kind of starts moving into a more serious story, especially after this arc. Uh, but even then, it's still like a really fun story. There's still stakes, it feels like, and, you know. I don't know how to explain it other than, yeah, they, it's kind of like a reconstruction of comics. They, they say that it kind of has the same tone as the modern day MCU in this article. And I, I can see where they're coming from. I can kind of get that. You know, it doesn't take itself too seriously. Like I'm talking like, you know, it's like Guardians of the Galaxy on. Mm. I yeah. would say I'd agree with that. You might have to send that article to me. It sounds, sounds Yeah, I found it a while ago and now I'll have to dig it up. But uh, I'll send it. I'll send it over to you, maybe throw a link in the show notes so uh spencer tell us a story yeah i'll get to the story perhaps i can best explain the story of my young friends and i is really the story of a man named hamato yoshi first issue of the so number five issue number five we pick up on it where our cliffhanger left us the turtles are beamed right in between some soldiers and a robot uh, they, of course, with, you know, all these soldiers, the guns pointed at him, a fight breaks out because the turtles are definitely kind of more of a fight first, ask questions later group of people. I think they've established that at this point. Uh, so they fight them. And while they're fighting, the robot finds them an escape route. They uh, run off and they're eventually able to lose the soldiers uh, by jumping off of a roof into a dump truck. And, you know, this robot takes them to his place and they kind of realize on their way there that they're not in Kansas anymore. You know, this is in New York city. They're on an alien world, Dehunib. And so uh, the robot here, the fugitoid fills them in on his backstory and that they're not on earth anymore. And he tells them that he's a scientist with his mind trapped in a robot body. His body is dead because the mines got transferred in a lightning storm and his brain yeah, went to the yes. robot. Yeah, struck by lightning. It yeah. Charged his whole body. Yeah. Yeah. But he also had like technology on his head, and that's that's what caused it. It wasn't just lightning itself. You know, there was there a was more sci-fi. Wave. A, a mental wave. Mental wave. Mental wave helmet. Yeah. Allowed him to like 
have telepathy powers and stuff. So his brain ends up going inside this robot. Meanwhile, the Federation kept trying to build him. So that's the name of like the government he's currently living under is the Federation. They keep trying to get him to build a teleportation device because they want to use it as a weapon. And so, of course, him being, you know, a great man of science does not want it to be used for that purpose. He refuses to build it. But now since he is a robot, he does not have rights under the law. And so essentially the Federation can capture him, exploit him and force him to do whatever because he just no longer has rights. And the Triceratons end up catching wind of this um, through their informant that uh, it doesn't tell you in this story, but in the Fugitoid, you know, they give it to this informant who, you know, in exchange for information, they give her these space drugs that, uh, <laughs> that she's addicted to. And she, yeah, uh, her name is uh, Lanae, L-O-N-A-E. Yeah. And she looks exactly like April O'Neil. Like same straight hair, uh, the exact same jumpsuit and everything. I almost think that's the reason they gave April O'Neil a perm in issue four because they knew they were public. Just so you could tell the difference. Yeah, just so you could tell the difference and not think April O'Neil was also in space. <laughs> they they just don't, you know, at this point they've only figured out how to draw like one woman face, I think. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that might be their problem. No, I, they play to their strengths. I, we talked about them. They, they draw yeah. triceratops, some robots, and turtles. They're not great at faces, human faces. Though. Mm-hmm. That's okay. But either I'd argue they're not good at turtle faces either. After some of the <laughs> some of the expressions they go through in this issue. Yeah, the giant but, triangle mouth. You don't. Oh, uh, so many triangle mouths. Yeah. <laughs> I will say though that uh, the faces actually I noticed, especially like in in issue number seven. They have like improved a lot. The human faces have, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Definitely they at least look that. less rough. I think they ended up discovering that less is more when it comes to, to how they draw the faces. Definitely. Um. Anyway, where was I? Oh yeah, the Fugitoid. So yeah, he's on the run from the Federation, and you know, little does he know, also the Triceratons uh, want him as well. After learning that they can get him to build this weapon for him, so. They need to try and, of course, get off the planet because he's a fugitive, a fugitoid. And so they go to the Mos Eisley Cantina of Peeblick, the name of the city they're in, to get a ride out of town. Uh, And while they're there, the Federates hone in on them, track them down. They come bursting in. The turtles fight with them. And they're able to stave them off until the Triceratons now also come in, blowing a hole in the wall. They're able to steal Honeycut and take off. The turtles pursue, they jump in a hover car. It has a nice little sidecar too that, that one of them calls dibs on. Very convenient. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's almost nice. like the Fantastic Car from Fantastic Four. Yeah. <laughs> but only only one sidecar. Yeah, cool. but only one sidecar. The- you know, it, it's oddly reminiscent of like the foot cruiser from the toy line and the like the neutrino cars. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean it wouldn't I mean, I think it's kind of maybe how they draw it vehicles and so when they say that they uh you know uh what's their faces playmates would essentially give them pre-made toy designs and then be like turtleize it yeah so you know it doesn't surprise me that their vehicle kind of ends up looking like like that vehicle as well well we're still we're still pre-production on the show so i don't yeah i'm just saying that they have a certain art style and so it wouldn't surprise me if you know that same style followed through onto this foot cruiser um so yeah they follow after him 
their thing gets downed by some triceratons that wait to back, you know, they're kind of waiting to flank uh, whoever might be following them. So their car gets downed because uh, the triceraton just straight up rips out the engine. And they then hear a battle going on outside of the forest at the crash land. They go there and it's just straight up Federates versus Triceraton war. Uh, and they see them carrying off the Fugitoid into a bunker. So they go to chase after the Fugitoid into the bunker. They sneak in and little does everyone know, except for the Triceratons, this isn't a bunker, it's a spaceship. And so they blast off uh, and, and escape. The turtles uh, suddenly learn as they, the Triceratons have escaped that they cannot breathe on this ship. And we're left with them struggling for air and we don't know how they're going to survive. That a great in. cliffhanger. It's a great cliffhanger. There's a lot of these in this, which is also very reminiscent of the tiny bit of Marvel I've read. <laughs> <laughs> I've only read like some of Daredevil and there's a ton of cliffhangers. At the end of every, almost every issue, I feel like there's a cliffhanger in some of them. Yeah. Number six. We open with the Fugitoid talking to our Triceraton leader. Um, I forget his name. Zanramar? Uh, Zanraman. Zanraman. It's one of those big long sci-fi names. I should have written it down. <laughs> but it's, it's uh, Mozar and Zanraman. Yeah, I've already, I've already, I think I've avoided having to remember Mozar, but Zanmaran. Zan, Zanraman. Zanraman, not Zanmaran. Those are totally different people. <laughs> Zanmaran. Zanraman. You know, the Triceraton leader. We're going to see with the Triceraton leader. There's a, there's a quiz at the end. You, yeah. You need to know this. Yeah. No, that's okay. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to save it for my, uh, I'm going to save it for my, for my story later. Okay. All right. So Zan Ramon is talking to the Fugitoid. Got it right. Yeah. 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 He's talking to the Fugitoid uh, and he's trying to convince him to build this transmat for him. And of course the Fugitoid refuses. Uh, at this point, the turtles are discovered that they are on board during this uh, by the other Triceratons, and we've learned that they have survived their lack of oxygen through meditation. Some of the, you know, mysticism stuff coming in. They're, of course, then taken prisoner, uh, given breathers so they can breathe on the planet. And the Triceratons now learn that these guys are friends with the Fugitoid. And so to try and get the Fugitoid to build them their transmat device, they throw them in a gladi gladiator ring and have them fight massive triceratons. Uh, and of course they believe that they will die. So they're gonna die unless the Fugitoid builds them their transmat device. He of course refuses because it's better that a few lives die than you know the thousands and thousands that will die if he gives them this weapon. And the turtles still end up winning anyway because they're the turtles. And so they end up escaping by jumping on one of the cameraman vehicles and flying up to the leader and taking him hostage. They run down the hallway with him and they're trying to make their way to his cruiser. When in the middle of it all, the Triceraton leader tries to tell them not to shoot and ends up getting shot and dies. And so the entire plan the turtles have to get out goes up in smoke because they just lost their hostage. So they're about to get captured again when they feel themselves being teleported again. And that Not ends. again. Not again. I mean, yes, again, because it saves their skin this time. <laughs> but <clears throat> we now move to the next issue, which 
shows us outside of the TCRI building, there's reporters and the police and National Guard are sitting all around the TCRI building because they have seen a massive beam come out of the top of this building uh, just a few, like just a little while before and the building is now completely barricaded itself, brought down to metal barricades and shut everything down so that no one can get inside. Uh, just as this reporter is reporting, a second beam that looks a lot like Piccolo's special beam cannon, if you're into <laughs> Dragon Ball Z, strikes down at the top of this building and brings the turtles back. People outside are all in panic and, and freaking out. And then inside, the turtles appear with some triceratons that got picked up as extra baggage since they were in the same radius as the turtles. The Triceratons, of course, can't be reasoned with by the Utrom. They try to like say like, hey, we'll send you right back. Don't worry about it. It's fine. And for some reason, they develop Brooklyn accents. Yeah, it was exactly that accent. <laughs> Don't worry about living it. Living among the people for a while. Maybe they, yeah. Maybe they, yeah. they have their skins. They go out. Yeah, yeah, they go out. They picked it up. <laughs> it's like, don't worry about it. Forget about it. It's fine. We'll take you back. What so, do you use means? What do you use means? It's all good. What do you use? A couple dinosaurs or what? <laughs> You're going to LaGuardia, right? Of course, Triceratons can't be reasoned with. They uh, then want to take the transmat for themselves so they can use the weapon, since this is the technology that they are searching for. And another fight breaks out amongst the Utram and Triceratons. Uh, this time, the turtles are helping the Utrams. And after all the Triceratons are left incapacitated or dead, you know, killed by Raphael, they finally are able to turtles are finally able to talk with the utrom and actually figure out what on earth was going on and they are then reunited with splinter and yeah. the very heartwarming moment and thus begins our like four page flashback explaining everything that's happened yeah seven issues yeah <laughs> yes so after all of everything gets explained and they tie a nice bow on if you couldn't put the pieces together Utrams made the ooze that created the turtles. It was them that were driving the truck that then it crashed in space. It was them. It, it was, was also you. them who found Splinter. They were taking care of him. He was in the stasis thing, you know, to receive medical care. Um, and, you know, Splinter was able to convince them to transport the turtles back. And so that ties up everything. Everything is all 100% clear for everyone now exactly what happened. Meanwhile, Soldiers are now going to seize the building on the outside. Our National Guard and our cops, they're going to come crashing in. So they bring out a missile launcher and blow up the metal doors on the outside. They're charging in and they're sent, you know, the Utram are now sending out little robots and things as defense, trying to buy them time because they have to fix their transmat because it got damaged in the fight. And they've got to get out of here before their presence is known, as well as the turtles do. So just barely in time, right before the soldiers can get there, they have fired up the portal. They send everyone through. The turtles go through. The Utrams get to go back to their home world. Honeycut goes with them, the Fugitoid. And the building explodes, but the self-destruct stuff lets the soldiers know they need to get out. And then the turtles are teleported back to April's apartment, where you learn that she's been worried sick about them this whole time and is really happy to see them. And they all get to have a cheerful reunion. So, yeah. Isn't it funny that our next segment is going to begin where this story ended the second time around? Hey, uh, nice junk. All right. So the fun thing that I ended up discovering in the back of the Ultimate Collection, never would have figured this out on my own, 
but the city they're in, P Black, is actually an anagram of Eastman and Laird's initials. Oh man, okay. Yeah, Peter huh. Eastman, Kevin Laird, and whatever the B stands for and the A stand for and their middle initials. I know the B belongs to Kevin. It's Kevin B Eastman. Yeah. yeah. Didn't Don't know, know that. Interesting. Yeah, it was in the in the commentary in the back. Never would have figured it out on my own. So hmm. very cool. Yeah. Also, I think this issue has the first time when a turtle calls any it calls the other ones their brother leo says brother to one of his mm. his brothers i don't mm. think they do that in any of the previous issues i could be wrong mm. if someone is listening to this and it's like no you're an idiot then, then go ahead and let us know yeah find us on facebook let find us on know. facebook call us out definitely do it so uh like i mentioned i'm, I'm reading these like the original floppies as much as possible and mm-hmm. Mirage is becoming like a full-on publishing enterprise at this point. Yeah. Um, they actually have enough money to hire a letterer. So Steve Levine starts putting in the words instead of Kevin Eastman starting with issue number five. Um, issue number six mentions they're also publishing now Michael Dooney's Gizmo and Prime Slime Tales, which is by Tony, I'm going to butcher this last name, Basilicato. It's by him and Jim Lawson. So this is kind of how Jim Lawson gets involved with the Mirage. Uh-huh. Lawson actually provides a, a backup in issue seven and a pinup of the turtles that looks really, really funky. Um, it's also getting big enough that we're going from just the, the single color covers to full color covers. Mm. So I think yeah. issue five, I think issue five is the first time we see the red bandanas for him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He, he mentions that in the uh, annotations too. Yeah. Awesome. It's their very first full color one because before it's just two colors. It's like black and green or black and red. Yeah, black and blue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we also get in the middle of issue seven, there's just like four pages of a short story by Kevin Eastman and Richard Corbin. It's the first full color story that they ever did for the Turtles. Huh. And uh, I actually found out Richard Corbin just died like an hour after I wrote these notes. I yeah, uh, was it yesterday he Away or today? Okay. I just heard about today, but no, yeah, yeah. Like the, I think the news came out today. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, and I know wow. like Richard Corbin is a is a huge inspiration for Kevin Eastman, so it's cool that they got to work together this early in in their career. Yeah. What What is that story? It's called "You Had to Be There," and it's like Michelangelo is walking home drunk. A spaceship crashes in front of him. He goes like back in time and about gets sacrificed to an ancient god and then just like makes his way back to the future it's really short and kind of funny oh yeah i have read that one i know which one that is because it's in uh it's either in number six of these or it's in the the classics books either way i have read that one i know which one you're talking about and then he goes back and tries to tell them and they're just like yeah whatever you're full of it and (laughs) And then he, yeah, he's like, you had to be there. That's the yeah. title. Yeah. Okay. And their their merchant license is still growing too. Like we got more minis. Mm-hmm. They were up to I think like six sets of the little web mini figures. Mm-hmm. They also uh, they licensed out the turtles to Solson Comics to do like a how to draw the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which mm-hmm. I I have and have tried to learn from that. And I don't know how anyone could ever learn how to draw anything from those books. But it's kind of a neat little thing to have. Yeah, I've always. Um, oh, sorry. And finally, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay. 
I've always found just those like learning to draw books funny in general because it's always just like you're going to have these basic circles mm-hmm. and a couple lines and then you're just going to have it drawn. <laughs> you know, like that's the next, that's the next panel. So I can, now the whole thing is drawn. Yeah. Start with two lines and then next step is complete the rest of the drawing. Make the rest of the drawing. The two lines are important though. <laughs> now, uh, and another, another and I, thing I mentioned I had, I was going to say another thing for that licensing is uh, around this time is when the, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and other strangeness uh, role playing game came out. I've almost got that a couple times. Thought about it. It's it's interesting. I don't know that I would be able to play it though. Like it's just enough different from D and D to be really really confusing. It seems like. Yeah. Oh yeah, like my my pizza brain can barely handle five E. Like I, <laughs> I couldn't even go back to any other version. Yeah. yeah. No, I've just barely, I have a D&D group. And so I've thought about getting it to see if I could do it. But I've also read that like the only like really fun part is the character creation that that like the actual game, the way it works can be pretty broken. So it, it, it all depends on your group. Like I love D&D. Or are you talking about other strangers? I'm talking about other strangers. I was like, that's, that's what's <laughs> kept me off of other strangers. I've heard uh, the character creation is fun with other strangeness. Got it. But that like the actual gameplay can be kind of a little clunky and, and broken mm. with the the, poly, the palladium system, the palladium game system. So that's why I've never. That's what's kept me from buying it. It's because I've been like, ah, well, if it ends up not being that fun, I'll just uh, you know one of these days finally get those IDW Ninja Turtle board games. <laughs> now, uh, if you ever get Ninja Turtles and other strangeness, we should we should run a game on here. I'd be down. That would be that would be, be a fun, fun one-shot episode, I think. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So um the, the last kind of nugget of wisdom I, I got from Kevin Eastman's Arto biography, that that biography where he puts all his notes and thumbnails together, is that by issue seven, they were selling eighty thousand copies an issue of Ninja Turtles. Now, for reference, the first issue of IDW sold thirty-four thousand. I was gonna say, yeah, like that is yeah. And at its peak, uh, issue 100 sold 54,000. So yeah. issue seven of the original series outsold the, the current issue 100. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, especially for like an independently published, like on their own comic book. Like IDW oh, yeah. is is like an indie publisher, but it's still kind of one of like the bigger ones, you know? I don't yeah, know. I think it's, it's the big five. Yeah, the big it's five. the big yeah. five. You, know, you got the big five. two, Marvel. <laughs> like they're DC. five of the big five, but yeah, they're five of the big five, but they're still the big five. Yeah. yeah. Maybe one day we'll get that uh, that Ninja Turtles My Little Pony crossover, just like how Transformers crossover with My Little. You're Pony. You're so open, man. Using I, those yeah. IDW. I properties. think I think that'd be fun. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't be into of, it, but but then but then we would get figures of My Little Pony Ninja Turtles, which will then open up the gateway even further for Hasbro to make Ninja Turtle figures. I'm on board. There you go. I mean, I guess if you're looking at it from a toys angle, I, I'm oh, not I really- Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, if it was uncanon, I would be like, all right, this is a fun, ridiculous story. I wouldn't <laughs> yeah. want them to actually put it in the main storyline. <laughs> speaking of crossovers, I think we actually get the first crossover of the Ninja Turtles around this time. Uh, Eastman Laird do a, a short story for Grimjack they go to to Munden's bar. I don't know a whole lot about Grimjack, but I guess that's a bar where characters in that story hang out. <laughs> so I, I think that's the first crossover. It actually predates the Cerebus crossover in, in issue eight. Huh. I mean, I guess technically the Fugitoid would be their first crossover. But... True. Yeah. Yeah. Fair. But I mean, that wasn't published anywhere beforehand. So. 
Yeah. Well, they'd made the story beforehand. I think they did have like Fugitoid number one, like as a book. Uh, yeah, it didn't come out as a book until after Ninja Turtles was. Oh, yeah, really? it. Uh, yeah, I was looking it up, and it's like September, or it, it's it's nineteen eighty five, but it's after this book. So my second time around is we actually go to the Star Wars Cantina, and this has always kind of been a thing that I bring up with other Mirage fans, like whenever they talk about it, like how gritty the you know how gritty and dark the original comics are, and I'm like, yeah, but they go to the Star Wars Cantina in like issue five. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, there's proof. It like, you know, they actually call it the Star Wars Cantina. Yeah. In, in yeah. the, in the commentary notes at the end. And it's just, and, and this is what I kind of love about Ninja Turtles is like how wildly just, I, th- this is fun for me. Like when mm-hmm. they go wild sci-fi like this. Yeah. No, they because like the thing is when you have characters that are teenage mutant ninja turtles, like mm-hmm. anything goes. Yeah, yeah. Like you can you can do anything with them, and it's the it actually I'm referencing that same article that says it's like a reconstruction of comics. Uh, it's funny because it like lacks editorial et- insight mm-hmm. in the best way possible. Like it lacks an editor in the best way possible. Yeah, like they're they're Peter and Kevin are both yes men to each other. Mm-hmm. So like every idea goes in this book. It seems yeah. like, yeah, they don't have an editor to go there and be like, um, like uh, guys, maybe maybe don't have Michelangelo order beer. Yeah, <laughs> maybe you don't have Raphael just flirting it up with this other alien chick. Yo, mama, <laughs> you, you do I know you from somewhere? Yeah, <laughs> but you know, imagine if they were to take like a street level hero because these guys are initially from issue one and two. Like in three, they're street level heroes. They're street level characters. So I know they're to take like Daredevil and be like, all right, uh, issue four of Daredevil, you know, this vigilante we've had fighting, uh, you know, Kingpin and stuff and, and gangsters. We want to take him to space. Like they wouldn't do that like over yeah. at Marvel or, or DC or a big publisher because they'd have an editor that would be like, um, no, this, this hero needs to stay here. Like we need to do things here. They wouldn't let him do that. But they do here because they don't have an editor. They can do whatever the heck they want. And that's what's so much fun about, about these books is they can do whatever, whenever. I do think like Ninja Turtles in space can get old mm-hmm. kind of quick. Like I think uh, the 2012 CGI, I think it was like season four, like the whole first half of that season they're in space and it got pretty mm-hmm. old pretty quick. I think yeah. how it worked, how they did it here where they're just like, they're gone for two issues and then they're back. Like it works yeah. really well because they get to have a couple of adventures, but they're still, you know, mm-hmm. they're still a part of their own story here on earth. Yeah. That, yeah. Like that's, that's part of the problem with adapting that to cartoons is because in space sells. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and that you're, you're right. Like it, it did take too long. And that's actually one of the points where 2012, I dropped off. Cause I was like, all right, like, let's move it along guys like it, it's yeah. it's like when the second season stalled out because it was all the horror stuff mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah no i i agree with that and that's that's what's cool once again about this story and like when when turtle six of in space works because in my opinion it also worked in the 2003 series mostly because it's almost a direct adaptation of this mm-hmm. is yeah. it's like it's like a story of them just being thrown into this world and trying to like just survive mm-hmm. and find their way back and like it so it still feels like street level and stuff even mm-hmm. though they've been thrown into a sci-fi world 
Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, like, so they start, they, they go to space, they start in a, in a trash strewn alley, which is mm-hmm. where they started in issue one. Yeah. Uh, they get into a car chase, which is what happens in issue three. They have to protect someone who has uh, secrets that can destroy the city, which is what they did both with April O'Neil and with Fugitoid. Uh, they get into like a four-on-four confrontation, which is something they've done in, in short stories and materials. Like everything they're doing in space, they've done here on Earth. It's just a little cooler and a little different. You know, so they're yeah. just retelling it with yeah, aliens. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> but it works. It works really well. It, no, it, yeah. it really does. Um, I also have always kind of loved the Fugitoid. Like I love his design. Oh, yeah. Wow. Like I love the bendy arms. I love. Now, do you? prefer gold fugitoid silver fugitoid chrome fugitoid or all white fugitoid or the um, playmates one that's multicolored i i like the like silver chrome kind of mm. um on the mirage website you can actually order a figure that they produce of yep. the fugitoid and i have that on my on my shelf and it it's beautiful it's like mirror chrome i love it but i, I don't i don't like the gold or the the multicolor fugitoid i think I, it looks better as all a solid color i want one i'm looking at it right now oh they're sold they're sold out of the sold the signed copies so cool i'm gonna order one <laughs> there you go mm-hmm. nice so yeah that's I, I also prefer like the the silver as well like the silver chrome look uh, mm-hmm. on him that's my favorite. I've never really, I've never seen the gold or any of that other stuff before. Now that you mention it, so he's gold in IDW. Yeah. Oh yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah I have seen. And then seen that. if you look up the Playmates toy, he's like copper gold, and black and black, and he's got like all these wires kind of exposed and stuff. He lo- he looks a lot like he looks like a Playmates era C three PO. Yeah. Okay. Very much so. Yeah. Huh. Uh, Weird. I think I, I think my favorite design is probably the 2012 version though. Like there's something about that all white with the digital eyes that I don't know. Like it I think that sells it sells it on me the, the most. Plus it had David Tennant voicing him. <laughs> I don't know who did it in 2003, but like that's always the voice I hear when I when I read the Fugitoid is is that guy's voice, which is yeah. very similar, but uh, yeah. Yeah, it's the voice I always hear too, but that's also like the voice I grew up with. And so it's just right. natural, I feel like, right. for me to hear that voice whenever he talks. I'm not going to like say one superior to the other. It's just the fact that that's what I grew up with. And so that's where my brain goes. Makes sense. Yeah. I also Pete think Zarustica. That's not that? a name. Pete Zarustica. It's not a name I'm familiar with. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not familiar with like, honestly, I've only heard like the 2003 series. I think there's, I think it's Veronica Taylor is the name of the lady that voices April. She's the one that kind of has a repertoire. She's also Ash and a few others. But the other ones, like, I guess they kind of voiced my childhood because they were all on all the four kids TV stuff. Uh, Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I'm looking him up and he's a, he's basically a four, a four kids in-house actor. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I mean that's that's how a lot of the actors for 2003 were. Um, they were all kind of in-house mm-hmm. people, like Sam Regal was back then. Veronica Taylor was because of Pokemon. Yeah. Um, Pete here was also in Pokemon. So. Yeah. 
But back to this issue, <laughs> <laughs> I think that this is actually the first time uh, Splinter also refers to the turtles as his sons. I may be wrong. I might have missed it before. Um, I think you're right, though. Um, yeah. I don't think they've really referred to each other specifically as, like, family nouns. Well, I mean, yeah. also, Splinter hadn't really done much in a, in a couple issues, you know? <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it has been a while since we've even seen him. Yeah. This is yeah, also... Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, the last time we saw him was issue three, which was, was say, published. That was published in March of 86. And issue seven is May of 80, or I'm sorry, March of 85. Yeah, 85. This issue is seven December. is May of 86. So it's been over a year since we've seen Splinter. Wow. Yeah, so I, I guess we have had have not seen him in a long time. Yeah. They actually like give an age for the turtles here. Um, yeah. I saw a question on Reddit just the other day. How old are the turtles? And right here they say they're 15 and one half year old. <laughs> so I think they're supposed to be 15 when they take on Shredder, I think is the idea there. Yeah, I think so. There's also like the first issue, number seven, where we see the name Chet. It's the boy with the jar of turtles. Mm-hmm. And the reason why that's significant is just because in these original Mirage comic books, Chet, for some reason, is an inside joke with Peter Laird and Kevin Eastman. And I don't know why, but you'll see the name just pop up in a bunch of other random places. Uh, I like to use it in like my some of my screen names sometimes for like Ninja Turtle games and things, just because it's oh, it's nice. Yeah, you, Chet Chet's kind of like their Sid from Final Fantasy, or you know, one of those kind of characters that just keeps recurring. Because uh, Chet is also the alias of Honeycut in IDW. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but like even in like the Mirage books, they like you'll see like Chet's toys or Chet this or Chet that. They'll just bring the name up in random spots. And it's because for some reason they think the name Chet is funny or something like that. I don't know. It's in it's in one of the one of the backgrounds of it's in one of the the commentary notes of of one of the ultimate collection books that I read it. Yeah, it wasn't. I I think it's even like on the wall and like as graffiti in uh issue one like it, it's in a lot of issues i think this is, is it really time. an issue one dang if i missed I it in issue one then they, this they, is bogus they call someone chet but also um there's a short story where we learned that the kid that dropped him down the sewer his name was chet too yeah it's an issue seven it, it when they're when they're recapping everything and tying it all together um oh. the the little boy says something and his father's like oh it's all right chester and then later he calls him chet Oh, okay. Yeah. In the scene. So, for whatever reason, the name Chet is just this reoccurring theme. And this is the first time I noticed it, I guess. Maybe it's an issue one in graffiti, but they think the name is funny and they yeah. throw it in all over the place. So, it's a fun Easter egg to look for. It's just the name Chet in Ninja Turtle stuff. I, I want to say the, the spider bots that attack the guys that are. Yes. Yes. Are, I, I wanted to bring that up. Yeah, those are bad guys from the arcade game. Mm-hmm. Those those like tripod things that shoot at the guys storming the TCRI building. They pop out of the wall and their legs pop out. Huh. Yep. Yeah. The yeah. first arcade game? Uh yeah. The first arcade game in TMNT two on uh, the NES. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. They're uh, uh they're in they're in the later half of the game. Um yeah. after... usually like in the Technodrome. Yeah, I think their first their first appearance is when they um, it's it's the first level after the turtle van like where it drives off the freeway ramp, 
and then you're in like that industrial place and they just drop out of the sky at the mid boss area. Mm-hmm. I have no memory of this place. Oh, <laughs> I, I played it's at the Nickelcade that's like just up the street from my house. Like I Well, that okay, so that's the arcade game. I'm I'm referring specifically to the NES one and I think that was an added level for the NES game. Ah, okay, that's why I haven't seen it. So I've only played like the arcade arcade one. Yeah, I cannot remember if they are in the actual arcade game. I okay. don't think so, but they are in like I think they're in Turtles in Time and the Hyperstone Heist. I know they're yes. at least in the Hyperstone. They're Heist. not in Turtles Three: The Manhattan Project. Right, right. But yeah, I was excited to see those pop out of the wall. And... I, I I thought it was cool. Like I didn't know that they were from there. I think this I can't remember if I've ever read issue seven before. So I think this was probably the first time I ever like got to sit down and actually digest it so the utrams beam back the turtles and the triceratons right like three mm. triceratons the utrams seem to know the triceratons but the triceratons don't mention knowing the utrams right yeah and the utrams are among our society hiding in exoskeletons of our bodies do you think there are utrams disguised as triceratons on triceraton worlds you know that I like that theory, right? I'm I mean, gonna I'm gonna call up Peter later tonight and be like, "Hey, I got an idea for you. Write this comic." <laughs> Trust me, you really want to do that. You want to do right. it? Call <laughs> Kevin Eastman and Tom Waltz. Just like, hey, add this into the last hey, Ronin. Stop, stop last Ronin. <laughs> Have I got an idea? For Have you? I a secret invasion? But Utrams and Triceratons. Right. Uh, I've always liked the Triceratons, though. So. Uh, the thing I was just teasing about earlier, it's not even that big a thing, um, but in, so I play a lot of World of Warcraft and you can have Triceratops in that game and I have two pets. One is Mozar and one is Enramon. Oh, oh nice. nice. So, Dang. Yeah. I just like thought that. You could just get like a giant turtle. You still can. Oh yeah, all right. Perfect. Yeah, that other... one is Slash. Nice. The other thing that I got reminded of while reading issue seven is that Eastman liked war comics a lot back in the day. Mm-hmm. And I think you can see him just, you know, having a good time with the soldiers raiding the building because he's oh, always the, cutting back to him. The missile launcher uh, that they shoot the door with uh-huh. is the one from Commando. Oh. Uh, the Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. Huh. Like that four tube bazooka one. Uh huh. So I just thought that was funny. Yeah, I, I was, I was like, that. ah, yeah, that's right. That, that's, that fits Kevin Eastman there. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know, just all of like the crouching and like the, them like peering out and stuff. It's very, very military. Very, I don't know. It, it, it sold it to me. Like it really sold it. And I think that a lot of that influence comes from all the war comics that Kevin Eastman liked reading. Yeah, going, going back a couple of issues, like it was kind of interesting to see the turtles, like just getting so used to guns real quick. Like Raphael just picks it up and and just starts blasting people, uh, and then Leo has that moment where he's like, oh, "I guess if Raph can do it, I I can too." Yeah. A couple pages later, like you know, we see them all. Yeah, going to town. <laughs> going to town. Blasting so. away. Raph is always the first one to just pick up a gun and use. He it. just, you know, yeah, he's he's <laughs> he's fearless like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they blow likes- up in his hands. He doesn't know. He likes guns too. Like, uh, there's that fun with guns story where he's he's yep, going with the one we guns talked about, and then in body count, he's like way into guns. Yeah, body count, he goes nuts. <laughs> Donatello's kind of the opposite. Donatello, 
he doesn't like guns. Yeah. Survivalists and stuff, but yeah. Hates him. He says it a couple times in the comments I did, that he hates guns. I did think it was weird that like pretty much all of them got their weapons broken. Mm-hmm. Sorry, this is not really an anchovy, but with the way I phrased it. Um, they they all get their weapons broken, and I just thought it was kind of neat when Donatello was fighting the one Triceraton. He breaks his bow staff and then jams him like yeah. in the head off panel. Yeah. And Donatello's just like, for honor. Yeah. <laughs> just stabs I, man, him. I, I love that fight. That's such a that's such a good... It's a cool melee, yeah. Yeah, it's cool. It's really neat. I like it. That's a whole lot. Yeah. So before we start talking about things we love, let's just try and cover the bad news first with some anchovies. No anchovies. You put anchovies on this thing and you're in big trouble, okay? I can't let you know. My anchovies are pretty small on these issues. Uh, you know, it's not even like it takes itself like 100% seriously in the first place. And so like any complaints you could have are kind of minimal like you know so the one thing i could think of is that like it's just comic book logic in general anyway but the fugitoid and a lot of other aliens already speak english you know they just speak mm. the same language as oh. the turtles yeah but that's pretty common in comic books in general uh but it also means they don't have to jump through the hoops of them like having to find a translator or something mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah. And then my one other thing that I would say the issue seven that actually did kind of irk me was all of the re-explaining everything to tie it all together. But like I can already you can already put the pieces together, at least I can. I don't need them to go back and be like, see, this is how it all works. Because I I, you know, I can tell. (laughs) Yeah, I could read that. So that, that did get a little annoying. Speaking of I can tell, um, the so my one of my anchovies was the reveal literally right after we meet fugitoid where it explains that general blank already knows that it's honeycutt's head like brain in there Mm -hmm. and that he's like that would have been a much better reveal organically It, it is organically reviewed revealed in the fugitoid comic book I, but I guess like because this came out before the Fugitoid comic book, uh-huh. like I think that's my that's my issue with it. Um, like, do you remember? Uh, do you remember like Batman Beyond and the Zeta Project? Mm-hmm. I only saw like a few issues, uh, not issues, but episodes of Batman okay. Beyond when I was a kid. Yeah. Okay. So Zeta Project is basically the Fugitoid, um, mm. but in the DC animated universe. And okay. they they kind of do the same thing where he has an intro episode in Batman Beyond where it sets up like, oh, he's a robot that, you know, is on the run from the government and they're trying to get him. Mm-hmm. And they kind of do it again in, um, they, they but they explain it again organically in the Zeta project. So you see the full story. Okay. And I think I would have preferred that approach here. Because we did, and like like you said, like we probably do get the full story in the Future Toy comic book, mm-hmm. but the way it's a dialogue box right under where we get the Future Toy's past, yeah, that yeah. Blank already knows. Like I think I think it would have just been better if Blank already, because I think we only ever see Blank like once or twice. Yeah, we we only see him like a couple times before yeah. that glorious flat top. Uh huh. <laughs> It is kind of amazing that they took like a 40 
page story and crush it down into mm. like a two page spread. Yeah. 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 Uh, my anchovies for this uh, one, like we said, issue seven, kind of a drag to read. Uh, like I, I was reading through it and I went back a page. I'm like, God, I've only read like four panels. It's just a mm. wall of text, but I can kind of forgive it because we're like two years into Ninja Trolls at this point. Like it's easy for us reading them all right in a week to be like, mm-hmm. I already know all this, but if you're collecting these in real time, it's been months between issues. Mm-hmm. It's, it's also just kind of, you know, the way the plot is set up that might've had to happen at some point. So. Yeah. That, that's definitely fair. I, I can see where you're coming from there. That makes sense. I also, my, my real big complaint is that they really need to stop trying to sling around these cl- these really creative insults. Yeah. We've already had April O'Neil try and call someone a sludge puppy. And now we have like puny piece of mammal droppings, sorry, saurians, dung balls. <laughs> like, just call him a jerk. Like, it, like it's, well, it's, I mean, that made sense because it was the Triceraton saying that, but <laughs> yeah. Like just, I, but no, but you're, but you're right. Like there, there's some of like the weird, like sci-fi-ness that's really kind of hokey. Like how, like when they're, when they're back in the cantina and all the aliens say zip, zap, zorp, or, you know, yeah, blorp, blorp, blink. <laughs> and it's like, okay, like just, just use like triangles and symbols <laughs> instead. Like yeah. don't, don't tell us what they're saying. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can I can understand that. It's but it's but it's fun in like an eighties hokiness mm-hmm. in the comic book. Like I think they're still like I said like they're still having fun with it. It's just you know with the gift of retrospect, you know, us reading it thirty five years later, you know, it, it's hokey to us now. Yeah, True. but back then it was probably you know like oh, this is really cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. So speaking of things being really cool. Maybe we can move on our, to our segment where we talk about things we think are super cool. Stuff we love. Oh, I love being a turtle. So, yeah, there's not a lot that I, you know, like most of the stuff with some of these old comics that I don't love. Uh, the designs for just the aliens around. I love weird sci-fi alien designs. Those are my favorite. I love the way they make them look. I like it when you make stuff look as bizarre as possible when it comes to sci-fi uh and i also just like the way p black looks i think that even though it's very much a homage to star wars their artwork kind of gives this city this like metropolis they've made uh of sci-fi-ness like its own personality and its own thing that while it may be a homage to star wars still kind of has a life of its own uh i also love the scene where they like take advantage of fitting in in the cantina where you know they're you know, able to go and buy a drink and flirt and and do whatever they want to. I think that scene is just a blast. It made me laugh, makes me smile whenever I read it. You might want to think about uh, if you're picking up the TMNT and other strangeness anyway. There's mm-hmm. an expansion called the TMNT Guide to the Universe where they kind of fleshed out like the space part of the Ninja Turtles and all the alien races and how the Triceratops Tons became what they are and, and all this other stuff. It's really uh, a deep dive, but it's pretty cool. Huh. Yeah, maybe I will have to get those just for the, the deep dive on the lore. Yeah. Yeah. I, I uh, love... Like I mentioned last week, the other, the, the role playing book is really where a lot of this universe got fleshed out. 
mm-hmm. outside of outside of the books. It's the same thing that happened with Star Wars back then. I really love that can, cantina scene too. I, I, mm-hmm. I love that they mentioned like, wouldn't it be nice to live like this? But unfortunately, we've gone from being in hiding on Earth to now being <laughs> fugitives in space. But yeah, why can't we just live out in the open? Yeah, That's yeah, something they definitely want. But man, I think I, I already mentioned this. I'm just going to mention it again. That Triceraton fight, beautiful. I love yeah. it. Yeah, I, I love the things they're doing too with kind of the layouts of the pages, where they're not just using square panels. They'll use like a character cut out at the bottom and then like one giant panel, or they'll do like five sided panels, or they'll do like dialogue off to the side of a panel. I think they're doing some really really cool things there. Yeah, they're super cool. I feel like it's a great example of a Kevin Eastman layout. You know, like yeah. when, when anyone talks about that, like that that's what he brings to the, the tables. He doesn't just stick with just the squares. He definitely. He brings I, all the new shapes and things in there. I really love in that Triceraton fight too that uh, the Fugitoid doesn't just go ahead and give up the secrets to his galaxy-destroying weapon. Mm-hmm. Like he, it makes sense to me. He just met the turtles. He's yeah. got perfect logic. Like I've, I've never understood that logic of like, well, you're gonna kill all my friends. Well, all your friends are gonna die anyway, so don't give in to their demands. You know, I, I like that. They kind of broke the mold there and had Fugitoid stand his ground and be like, no, I'm not going to do it, even if you kill these acquaintances of mine. Yeah, I think I think that's usually in stories to kind of be like a character flaw of the hero. You know, the hero is yeah, someone yeah. that cares too much about people and like Absolutely. individuals. So if they know someone, they feel like they must save them. And, you know, maybe they'll figure out a way to stop it later. But the Fugitoid is like a pure logic person. You know, he's very much yeah. a scientist and he's like, this cost, you know, if I want to weigh damages here, the cost of losing them in my life is much less than the thousands that could possibly die. Yeah, yeah. You guys pretty much stole everything I already was going to say I loved, so. We're, we'll let oh. you go first next next. Time. Okay, yeah, okay, next time. Yeah. All right, next yeah, time. Sorry, but I always no. steal everyone's stuff by talking first. No, no, it's it's fine because, I mean, because everything, everything in these three issues, like, this was just a lot of fun, like, seeing the turtles in outer, in outer space, meeting the fugitoid uh the triceratons like i love the triceratons like i they're dinosaur alien people like that's it's it's and it's also cool that the triceratops because like normally you would go to like a tyrannosaurus alien Mm -hmm. you know some kind of meat eater but like these are just huge buff triceratops men yeah well the triceratops is peter's favorite dinosaur yeah i saw that in the annotation yeah it's like (laughs) Like that that's that's cool. Like I'm I'm glad that they did that. Yeah, I loved the Triceraton commentators for the fights and mm-hmm. how they're like talking about it like it's like a college basketball game. Like yeah. when, when you got these guys like disemboweling each other, like it literally says like great disembowelment. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's pretty fun. Dynamic backfield. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it's just a bunch of people like slaughtering each other out in this gladiator ring. And then the other thing I loved was their ads and how they bothered to like put the trademark symbol in the ad as you're reading it. Like there's a little TM, you know, you've got like Zets all grow, all glow horn polish. Yeah. The, <laughs> like that was, that was hokey, but I also loved it. Yeah. I love that. I love that crap. It's hokey, but at the same time, it's like real life sports commentary. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's funny that they're providing, like, real-life sports commentary with ads and everything in this I think, I think tutorial it's, combat. 
yeah i think it's i think it's funny that that civilization is so like ours that they have that kind of that they have that kind of commentary and sports arena like we do here Mm -hmm. i also really liked the the page two and three spread where it just shows like the triceraton worlds Mm -hmm. uh you know i i i didn't quite notice it the first time and then i was reading the commentary and Eastman just talked about how fantastic it was and how long it took him to do it. You know, why it was taking him so long to release books. And I went back and looked at it and I was just like, wow, like there is so much detail in that page. Uh, it's on issue number six. Yeah. Cause they're like hollowed out comets that they've like linked together mm-hmm. with infrastructure and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Huge spread. It's amazing. And I, I like that they basically described it as like their version of the death star. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Which, I mean, it's cool. Like, I love that kind of stuff in sci-fi, like hollowed out space station asteroids. Like, that's my jam. Yeah. It happens more often than you think in <laughs> sci-fi, but it, but I always love to see it. I also like how simple the breathers are that they give the turtles. It, like, oh, yeah. It provides that, like, somewhat gritty feeling in space. Like, they're giving them just, like, these old, like, it's just a tube hooked up to some air. Here you go. Like, you know, inhale lo- from the tube. I also love that they brought that back in 2012. Yeah, they do as well in 2003. I was going to say in 2003 yeah. too, right? Yeah. I just like how simple it is. And just, mm-hmm. you know, oh, here's a tube. Breathe in yeah. it. Just, <laughs> just, just chew on this. Because that's the thing is like they stick it in their mouth and it's like it's like in their teeth. Yeah. Like they're just like chewing on it for air or something. It's even got like an exhale valve on it. Like it's got a tube in and then like an open... Mm-hmm where they could exhale from it it's, there's a yeah, there's a design. there's a lot of the there's a lot of the angles that it looks like a milk carton just tucked in there <laughs> yeah. in their belt <laughs> which uh, i think is like i think it's a testament to the art and the inking uh of these issues back then it's like there's so many heavy heavy inks mm-hmm. like ev- so much detail in these panels um, that it is kind of overwhelming to the eyes, especially if you're not used to looking at um, art like this. Yeah, I, I love the heavy inks, though, of, of these arts. Like, I just love those really thick, thick, dark ink ink. I feel like it, that's really what provides Mirage with its tone. Yeah, it, it, it very much makes it feel like an underground comic still. Uh-huh. The, uh, issue seven, there was like the spread of like, all the triceratons and turtles and utrons kind of fighting at the same time mm-hmm. that's yeah oh, like that big that huge page yeah yeah, mm-hmm. yeah but that's like whenever anyone asks if i should read this book in color or black and white like i think there's a space for both mm-hmm. i think like that page specifically is one of the ones where i'm like you kind of need to see it in color to see what's going on and then yeah you can appreciate black and white because like you can't hardly tell what's going on like well like i said like i i can't remember like i think i read this issue for the first time so like when i got there i was like uh like yeah it's bugged out it's 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 very overwhelming Mm -hmm. yeah but i also just love the chaos of it you know because no yeah like it's got a lot of energy Mm -hmm. yeah good good run good run of comics here we have yeah Yeah. i think i think this is a fantastic three-parter i think that the soldier scenes as well in number seven are a lot of fun just of the soldiers coming into the building i kind of already mentioned it before Mm -hmm. it just Mm -hmm. felt very believable to me you've got them you know hiding behind corners coming back out and shooting them it's almost like they're living through their own like sci-fi movie that's like you know battle los angeles or whatever like these soldiers (laughs) are almost just experiencing their own sci-fi movie while our you know while we're also telling the story of 
the mysterious aliens just trying to get out. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. You know, it's almost like we've got two different stories going on here. They've got the reveal of they're not actually killing anyone. Like they're still just stunning us. This is something that's going on. You know, yeah. we've got like their story and yeah. then we've got the turtle story. <laughs> I still like, they're like, okay, they're just stunning us. We can just keep charging in. But like, I still wouldn't want to be knocked out because I could still just like fall flat on my face and break my yeah. nose and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I, what if it gives you than dying? Yeah. What if stun blasts give you cancer? You know, yeah. <laughs> you don't know. <laughs> like, well, yeah, these are these are aliens stunning us. Like, yeah, I don't want them to probe me. <laughs> you know, yeah, you no, they won't probe mind? you. They'll just take your skin off and wrap it around an android body. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Inside of it, that's the you're not gonna get probed at all, man. That's how they get the skins. Skinned. That's how they get the skins for their bodies. Mm-hmm. They just have like job interviews at TCRI. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Walk down this hallway on the way out. That's yeah. where the spider bots are. And it's the last job skin. you'll ever you'll ever get. Yeah. Don't worry. Uh, and the turtles reunion with Splinter is pretty heartwarming. You know, just the nice, happy, like everyone yeah. looking at him like, oh. Yeah, I think Leo's like lifting up. He's mm-hmm. he's hugging him so hard. Yeah, they're they're all definitely just hugging and you can feel happy for everyone after not seeing Splinter for so long. So we're not going to be doing Channel 6 News this week because it's been a real quiet week as far as Ninja Turtles news goes. So we will talk to you guys next week. Uh, we'll be going over Michelangelo, number one, the Christmas issue, or at least one of the Christmas issues. and The first Christmas issue. The very first Christmas issue. You know, this is why we kind of have rushed on comics a little bit these past three days. It's just so we can make a Christmas episode with everything still in because order. we want to do that for you guys. Exactly. Right. Uh, the sentiment remains if you're listening to this way in the future in like July or something. Just know that we've thought of July 2023 if you're listening to it then too. Yeah. You know, <laughs> like we're, we're doing this because we enjoy turtles and we enjoy talking about turtles so you can hear it. And just know that even though you haven't listened to the, you know, until listen to the podcast until now, we still wish you a Merry Christmas. We have you in our hearts. <laughs> so if you'd please like and share, uh, leave us a review, follow us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram uh, for the most up-to-date turtle stuff we can possibly give you on our podcast, as well as we like sharing turtle news and things like that on there. Please do. You'll find us at Ninja Turtle PH or Ninja Turtle Power Hour on all of those socials. Until next week, Cowabunga dudes. Cowabunga. I forgot to say Cowabunga. <laughs> <laughs>